everywhere we go. Music for the people, making music for the people. Light shine bright, everywhere we go. Light shine bright, everywhere we go. Everywhere we go. Music for the people, making music for the people. I will magnify your light. I wanna reflect the sun. Cadillac precious diamonds. With colors by the millions. This is the only world we know. And for now, this rental's our home. If we gon' be a reflection, gotta make this dirt rock glow. Just so you know. Light shine bright everywhere we go. Music for the people to illuminate the show. Light shine bright everywhere we go. Music for the people, making music for the people. Light shine bright everywhere we go. Music for the people to illuminate the show. Light shine bright everywhere we go. Music for the people, Jesus. Lights in the city might be more than pretty pretty That freaky shine might be more than me's the eye Anytime you see the sparkle in the dark you might look deeper Deeper It might be more than simply cater Yo, that smile might be joy that's connected to the spirit The spirit might be contagious if you look like a mirror I remember can't forget He said you can't second guess Sparkle as the light reflects We write and pay it forward checks Lights shine bright everywhere we go Music for the people to illuminate the show Good morning, everybody. 
It is an early Monday morning for some of you on the West Coast. For us on the East Coast, it's about 11.05 on a Monday, August the 21st in the year of our Lord, 2023. Glad to see you guys here. And we're going to start this morning off with a prayer from Mila, please. So if you guys will join me, um, bow your heads. We're going to say a prayer for her. Her chest is bothering her this morning, and we want to pray it out. Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us to be here today. We are so very thankful and grateful that we have this space to come together to be able to worship you and praise you and learn more about you and ourselves and our walk with you. Father, our sister today, Mila, is having some chest pain and discomfort. And Father, we want you to heal her. We know you can heal her. We want this pain taken out of her um, to give her relief in her chest for every muscle in her body to just relax and the blood to pump smoothly and freely throughout her body, giving her oxygen all over, healing and restoring her all over, Father. Take your hand on her right now, Father, your hand on her head and just heal her body, Father. This is a sister that that stepped out in faith to to bring the first Operation Vineyard to Chile and for church. And Father, she's just an obedient servant, an obedient child of yours, Father. And so she needs your healing. She needs your miraculous healing to restore her body, to restore her soul so she could get out there and continue to do the work that you want her to do, that you need her to do. Father, you woke her up this morning so we know she's got a purpose. Father, relieve her of this pain. Relieve her so she can go fulfill that purpose today and every day, Father. Father, we are so, so blessed and thankful that you are love us so, that you were our first love, that you loved us even before we knew you. You, When you formed us, you loved us. You created us to be just the way that you wanted us to be, Father. That this with Mila's heart may have been your intention or the intentions of something evil, but Father, we know that that it's going to be used for your glory, for your good. So Father, please heal our sister today. Make her well by the power of the blood on the cross that is Jesus, by the greater works than these that we can do, Father. We all come together here on Sister on Scripture for our sister Mila, and together we all raise up prayers to you, prayers for supplication, prayers for healing for our sister Mila. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Mila, we gonna heal you, girl. We ain't. Jesus is. So I did not get, I'm so sorry, guys. It seems like I'm very scatterbrained these days, and I have not got last week's episodes uploaded. I will get those uploaded today, I promise. I will upload them right after the show because I can go ahead and type everything in for those two episodes. Um. Mila says the pressure is less now. Praise God. Hallelujah. Our father is so good. He's a good, good father. All 
I'm just, I, I'm sitting here. I'm sorry I'm in silence. I'm just, in my mind, just thanking Father for that blessing. You know, it's amazing that we can turn to him when all else seems like it's lost. And that's when most people go to turn to God is when they're at their weakest point and then they turn to Christ. We should be doing that all the time, but our flesh, we, we tend to not. And, you know, it's just so wonderful. Guys, we witnessed another testimony from Mila. You know, the pressure's less now. We just prayed, and it ain't nothing I did. Father, give me those words. I ain't did nothing. That said, like a true Southerner, I ain't did nothing. Oh, gosh. I do know how to t talk properly, I promise. I'm literate and educated, or at least the college says I am. Anyway, that's a, that, it. That it's just awesome. So last week we um, we dove into um, Ezekiel and we read chapters one through five. So today we're going to pick up on six. We're reading out of the NASB nineteen seventy seven, and I'm also have an excerpt I'm going to read out of the Founder's Bible. But first, I've got a clip here. You know, I was, I was talking on the last episode about how Tucker has um, been changing. And, and it's a wonderful change. And I'm gonna play this little clip here for you guys. Important to approach politics with that in mind. Like a lot of these issues are symbols of- I want you to remember this word dominion. This quite literally means, no, there's a difference between a flawed, sinful human being that is a genuine Christian and someone coming and- like, Wait, why didn't you never mention this? This is like unbelievable. <laughs> what? Now pay close attention to what he's about to say. I think this is absolutely spot on. Abraham enters Egypt and he's like, oh, it's my sister actually, take her. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? You wouldn't mind hitting that thumb. Howdy y'all, I'm Brian. Sorry guys, that was not the part of the clip I wanted to play. I had it paused, and it went back to the beginning. Technology literate, I may not be. Let's see if this is it. They talked a little bit. Just a little background information, if you will. Tucker Carlson said something that was quite fascinating. He really admitted something, in a way. And I think that we can all learn a lot from what Tucker Carlson says here. And I think that we need to recognize that what Tucker Carlson is about to say is really a majority of people who claim to be Christian, unfortunately. But I think there's an important lesson to learn here. So let's check out what Carlson says, and I'm gonna stop it every little bit because I wanna point out some very important parts of what he's explaining here. So what we're seeing today is light versus dark, good versus evil. This is spiritual warfare. And what we're facing as a country right now, a lot of people say this is the most important election of my lifetime every two years. Yeah. I think a lot of people happen to believe it for 2024 that this is the most important election of, of our lifetime. We can also see what's happening in our culture today that it's gonna have horrible repercussions for our children and those who are young growing up 
and aren't going to know the America that we knew. No, they're going to know something the opposite, unfortunately. Unless we do something about it, I think that we are absolutely in a time to when we are coming up in this presidential election where it is one of, if not the most important election that we will, that we certainly have faced. You explain. Well, I'm clinging to the hope that elections still matter. I, I really want to believe that because I'm, I'm American in a very fundamental way. And so I believe in, in, the, in the actual mechanics of democracy, like the people should rule, you know. Um, so, uh, but leaving aside even elections, I think it's clearly a pivot point in history. And I don't think the issues that we debate and really are in some ways distractions are the core issues at all. These things that mainstream media want you to focus on uh, over here, keep your gaze over here. Keep looking that way while behind our backs, everything is going on. Secret meetings in the dark. Now pay close attention to what he's about to say. I think this is absolutely spot on. I mean, it really, there are forces, unseen forces acting on people. Um, it's funny in February, I was like trying to think about what to do for Len. I'm not a particularly faithful or virtuous person, but like you try to do something. I already quit smoking. So like, what's next? <laughs> And I thought, well, I'm just going to read the Bible. And no, I'm not going to do a Bible study. I'm a Protestant, so I feel like I have a right to kind of read it myself. And I, no, I'm sorry. I feel that way. And, uh, I think it's fascinating that Tucker Carlson says this. You know, uh, I think one of the biggest things plaguing the Christian community, but uh, really society at large, is that we have removed the Word of God from essentially everything, even a lot of churches. Most churches today are teaching self-help, man-centered wisdom that does nothing to feed the soul or grow you closer to God, to strengthen your relationship with Jesus. No, it's all focused on things that are made up in man's mind in order for you to walk out feeling a little better in the moment just to slowly decline the week because you aren't actually spiritually fed and you're declining throughout the week and then Sunday hits and you're given this glorious man-centered self-help sermon that does nothing once again but give just a slight little quick glimmer of hope into something but ultimately doesn't matter. You know, we need to be in the Word of God for ourselves. And yes, you can read the Word of God. You can read the Bible for yourself, believe it or not. You know, the most important part of what he says here uh, is coming up in just a second, but I want to show you this. This is 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 through 17. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Tucker Carlson, self-admittingly, isn't very virtuous or a very faithful person, but I think what's happening here is that Tucker Carlson does claim to be a Christian, and he is now in the neck deep in the middle of the Bible, reading through the Word of God. So there is hope there that the Word of God can correct and teach and show Tucker Carlson 
the truth. And I think that we should be praying that Tucker Carlson be open to receiving that truth so his life can be changed. I mean, when you look at the massive crowds Tucker can bring in, look at this. One of his latest videos here on Twitter, 94 million views. Okay? 94 million views. Imagine if Tucker Carlson's heart was truly renewed in Jesus Christ. Imagine if Tucker Carlson didn't just proclaim the news or proclaim his thoughts or interpretations, but instead he proclaimed the truth of God's word. Wouldn't that be wonderful? And so I've been reading it since February and I'm like about halfway done. And and I haven't talked to anyone about it. And I haven't been, I've just been myself reading it. And and I've all kind of, it's like the most interesting thing I think I've ever done. Mm. It's unbelievable. <laughs> the, the amount of drama in those books that has been hidden for me as a regular church goer in the Episcopal Church. Like, wait, why didn't you never mention this? This is like unbelievable. What? So real quick, it's funny because he's, ne he's never actually read the Bible in any real capacity. All right, that's where I was wanting to stop at. You know, the drama in the Bible, Tucker was correct. The drama in the Bible is, is magnificent, you know? I was stunned to learn there's dragons in the Bible, you know? And we are able to freely read the Bible on our own. And like Tucker said, this isn't a battle of left versus right. This is a battle of good versus evil, light versus dark. And that's why I started the, so the show with that song by Toby Mac. And that clip was from the, um, it was off of Brylan Riggs's YouTube channel. And that's B-R-Y-L-A-N Riggs, R-I-G-G-S. I want to give credit where credit's due. I would um, put it in the chat, but I don't know if it's going to bring it over right. Yes, Mila, really, dragons. Um, there's dragons in a few different parts of the Bible. Um, I'm wanting to say it's on some that we've read. Um, let me see if I can pull you up one of them real quick. I'm cheating. I'm going to the back. That's not cheating. That's doing it the smart way, right? I can't remember where I read everything at because there's so much. Um, dragons dragon Isaiah 27 1 Isaiah 51 9 Revelation in Revelation 22 is dragon um, also monster or serpent Isaiah 27 1 I'll go ahead and read because it's close by where we're at today and Ezekiel Isaiah 27, 1. In that day, the Lord will punish Leviathan, the fleeing serpent, with his fierce and great and mighty sword, even Leviathan, the twisted serpent, and he will kill the dragon who lives in the sea. There's dragon there. And it was what? Isaiah 51.
Okay. Isaiah 51, 9. Awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake as in the days of old. Sorry about that. My thumb, my finger hit that. The generations of long ago, was it not thou who cut Rahab in pieces, who pierced the dragon? Okay, she's saying, okay, those refer to end times. I'm aware of those ones. I thought it was about others. No, it's those. Um, but it was just amazing the fact that there's, you know, dragons in the Bible. I I did not realize that. And so as I was reading when I found it, and Jeff had told me, Brother Brother Jeff, who we're gonna pray for at the end. Uh, he was telling me about it, and I was really I was amazed. I was like, wow, that's interesting but there's a lot of drama in the bible and we're going to go over some of that so we're going to start with ezekiel 6 and the word of the lord came to me saying son of man set your face toward the mountains of israel and prophesy against them and say mountains of israel listen to the word of the lord god Thus says the Lord God to the mountains, the hills, the ravines, and the valleys. Behold, I myself am going to bring a sword on you, and I will destroy your high places. So your altars will become desolate, and your incense altars will be smashed. And I shall make your slain fall in front of your idols. I shall also lay the dead body of the sons of Israel in front of their idols. In front of their idols and i shall scatter your bones around the, your altars sorry i need to adjust i have puppies and doggies right here beside me and i can't get where i need to there we go and all your dwellings cities will become waste and high places will be desolate that your altars may become waste and desolate your idols may be broken and brought to end your incense altars may and your works may be blotted out and the slain will fall among you and you will know that I am the Lord however I shall leave a remnant for you for you will have those who escape the sword among the nations when you are scattered among the priests then those of you who escape will remember me among the nations to which they will be carried captive how I have been hurt by their adulterous hearts, which turned away from me, and by their eyes, which played the harlot after their idols. They will loathe themselves in their own sight for the evils which they have committed for all their abominations. Then they will know that I am the Lord. I have not said in vain that I would inflict this disaster on them. One of the positive effects of the Babylonian exile was the fact that the Jews who returned to Judea were forever cured of the idolatry. Thus says the Lord God, clap your hands, stamp your foot and say, Alas, because of all the evil abominations of the house of Israel, which will fall by the sword, famine, and plague, he who is far off will die by the plague, and he who is near will fall by the sword. He who remains and is besieged 
will die by the famine. Thus I shall spend, spend my wrath on them. Then you will know that I am the Lord when their slain are among their idols around their on every high hill, on all the tops of the mountains, under every green tree and under every leafy oak, the places where they offered soothing aroma to all their idols. Remember, um, the women would uh, bake cakes and burn incense to the queen of heaven, which was um, a fertility goddess and somebody they were not supposed to be making uh, sacrifices to. So throughout all their habitation, I shall stretch out my hand against them and make the land more desolate and waste than the wilderness towards Dibla. Thus they will know that I am the Lord. Chapter 7. Punishment for the wickedness foretold. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, And you, son of man, says the Lord God to the land of Israel, an end. The end is coming on the four corners of the land. Now the end is upon you, and I shall send my anger against you. I shall judge you according to your ways, and I shall bring all your abominations upon you. For my eye will have no pity on you, nor shall I spare you. But I shall bring your ways upon you, and your abominations will be among you. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Thus says a disaster, unique disaster. Behold, it is coming. An end is coming. The end has come. It has awakened against you. Behold, it has come. Your doom has come to you, O inhabitant of the land. The time has come. The day is near. Tumult rather than joyful shouting on the mountains. Now I will shortly, shortly pour out my wrath on you and spend my anger against you, judge you according to your ways, and bring on you all your ends. And my eye will show no pity, nor will I spare. I will repay you according to your ways while, you, while your abominations are in your midst. Then you will know that I, the Lord, do this mighting. Behold the day. Behold, it is coming. Your doom has gone forth. The rod has budded. Arrogance has blossomed. Violence has grown into a rod of wickedness. None of them shall remain. None of their multitude, none of their wealth, nor anything eminent among them. The time has come. The day has arrived. Let not the buyer rejoice, nor the seller mourn, for wrath is against all their multitude. Indeed, the seller will not regain what he, has, what he sold as long as they both live. For the vision regarding all their multitude will not nor will any of them maintain his life by his iniquity. They have blown the trumpet and made everything ready, but no one is going to the battle. 
for my wrath is against all their multitude. The sword is outside, and the plague and the famine are within. He who is in the field will die by the sword. Famine and the plague will also consume those in the city. Even when their survivors escape, they will be on the mountains like doves of the valleys, all of them other, each over his own inequity. All hands will hang limp, and all knees will become like butter. And they will gird themselves with sackcloth, and shuddering will overwhelm them, and shame will be on all faces, and baldness on all their heads. They shall fling their silver into the streets, and their gold shall become an abhorrent thing. Their silver and their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the wrath of the Lord. They cannot satisfy their appetite till their stomachs, for their inequity has become an occasion of stumbling. See, there it's saying, you know, none of your treasures that you can save here are going to save you. It's our treasures that we store in heaven. And they transformed the beauty of his ornaments into pride. And they made the images abominations and their detestable things with it. Therefore, I will make it an abhorrent thing to them. And I shall give it into the hands of the foreigners as plunder and to the wicked of the earth as spoil, and they will profane it. You know, you think about it like, with the different things that they're, you know, making right now with the money, like with the pride flags and all this other stuff that's done for, for money and material things. It's, it doesn't matter. It's, it's not going to get them anywhere. It's going to get them, well, it will get them somewhere. It'll get them into hell. I shall also turn my face from them, and they will profane my secret place. Then robbers will enter and profane it. Make the chain, for the land is full of bloody crimes, and the city is full of violence. Therefore, I shall bring the worst of the nations, and they shall... I'm sorry. worst of the nations, and they will possess their houses. I shall also make the pride of the strong ones cease, and their holy places will be profaned. When anguish comes, they will seek peace, but there will be none. Disaster will come after, and rumor will be added to rumor. Then they will seek a vision from a prophet, but the law will be lost from the priest and counsel from the elders. The king will mourn, the prince will be clothed with horror, and the hands of the people and will tremble. According to their conduct, I shall deal with them, and by their judgment, I shall judge them, and they will know that I am the Lord. All 
right, now chapter 8, Vision of Abominations in Jerusalem. And it came about in the sixth year, sixth year, on the fifth day of the sixth month, as I was sitting in my house with the elders of Judah sitting before me, that the land, that the hand of the Lord God fell on me there. Then I looked, and behold, a as the appearance of a man, from his loins and downward there was an appearance of fire. And from his loins and upward, the appearance of brightness, like of metal. And he stretched out the form of a hand and caught me by a lock of my head. And the spirit lifted me up between the earth and heaven and brought me in the visions of God to Jerusalem, to the entrance of the north gate of the inner court, where the seat of the idol of jealousy, which provokes the jealousy, was located. And behold, the glory of the God of Israel was there, like an appearance which I saw in the plain. Then he said to me, Son of man, raise your eyes now toward the north. So I raised my eyes toward the north, and behold, to the north of the altar gate was this idol of jealousy at the entrance. And he said to me, Son of man, do you see what they are doing, the great abominations which the house of Israel are committing here, that I should be far from my sanctuary? But yet you will see still greater abominations. He then, then he brought me to the entrance, and when I looked, behold, a hole in the wall. And he said to me, Son of man, now dig through the wall. Wall and behold an entrance. And he said to me, Go in and see the wicked abominations that they are committing here. So I entered and looked, and behold, every form of creeping things and beast and detestable things with all the idols of the house of Israel were carved on the wall all around. And standing in front of them were 70 elders of the house of Israel, with Jezaniah, the son of Shaphan, standing among them, each man with his censer, censer in his hand and the fragrance of the cloud of incense rising. Then he said to me, Son of man, do you see what the elders of the Israel are committing in the dark, each man in the room of his carved images. For they say, the Lord does not see us. The Lord has forsaken land. And he said to me, yet you will see still greater abominations which fitting. Among the incredible religious corruption in the temple, Ezekiel saw animal worship, which suggests Egyptian religion. Since all of the ancient Near Eastern peoples, the Egyptians were most closely associated with this practice. God's finding elders of the nation in a dark room thinking that he could not see them recalls Zephaniah's well-known statement, At that time, I will search Jerusalem with lamps. From Zephaniah 112.
I'm going to read that one. Just a second. Zephaniah 1.12 And it will come about at that time that I will search Jerusalem with lamps, and I will punish men who are stagnant in spirit, who say in their hearts, the Lord will not do good or evil. Now that was Zephaniah 1.12. Ezekiel 8.13 And he said to me, Yet you will see still greater abominations which they are committing, then he brought me to the entrance of the gate of the Lord's house, which was toward the north, and behold, women were sitting there weeping for Tammuz. And he said to me, Do you see this, son of man? Yet you will see still greater abominations than these. Then he brought me into the inner court of the Lord's house, and behold, at the entrance to the temple of the Lord, between the porch and the altar were about 25 men with their backs to the temple of the Lord and their faces toward the east. And they were prostrating them eastward toward the sun. And he said to me, Do you see this, son of man? Is it too light a thing for the house of Judah to commit the abominations which they have committed here, that they have filled the land with violence? And provoked Peter, for behold, they are putting the twig to their nose. Therefore, I indeed shall deal with deal in wrath. My eye will have no pity. And though they cry in my ears with a loud voice, yet I shall not listen to them. Ezekiel nine. The vision of slaughter. Then he cried out in my hearing with a loud voice, saying, Draw near, O executioners of the city, each with his destroying weapon in his hand. And behold, six men came from the direction of the upper gate which faces north, each with his shattering weapon in his hand, and among them was a man clothed in linen with a writing case at his loins. And they went in and stood beside the bronze altar. Then the glory of the God of Israel went up to the from the cherub on which it had been to the threshold of the temple. And he called to the man clothed in linen at whose loins was writing case. And the Lord said to him, go through the midst of the city, even through the midst of Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who and groan over all the abominations which are being committed in this in its midst. But to the others he said in my hearing, Go through the city after him and strike. Do not let your eye have pity and do not spare. Utterly slay old young men, maidens, little children, and women. But do not touch any man on whom the, is the mark. And you shall start from my sanctuary. 
So they started with the elders who were before the temple. And he said to them, Defile the temple and fill the courts with the slain. Go out. Thus he went out and struck down the people in the city. Then it came about as they were striking, and I alone was left, that I fell on my face and cried out, saying, At last, alas, Lord God, art thou destroying the whole remnant of Israel by pouring out thy wrath on Jerusalem? Then he said, The inequity of the house of Israel and Judah is very, very great, and the land is filled with war, and the city is full of perversion, for they say, the Lord has forsaken the land, and the Lord does not see. But as for me, my eye will have no pity, nor shall I spare, but I shall bring their conduct upon their heads. Old man clothed in linen, at whose loins was the writing case reported, saying, I have done just as thou hast commanded me. You know, it's, people think that they can do things and hide them. You know, they were doing it then. It's not anything new. But God sees everything. And for everything, as, as we've been reborn out of the flesh and into Christ, we have to confess those sins. We can't pretend that they're not there. We have to give account for everything, everything. And some of the things you may not even remember. But it's important because, you know, we're coming up on, on the three, on three of the feasts, the feast of, uh, let's see, Sukkot. Oh, I know I said that wrong. Um, feast of and the Feast of the Tabernacle are all coming up and we have to be able to show repentance and so you know god sees everything these people they were hiding what they were doing wrong and they thought that you know god was being unjust and forsaking them well god wasn't god was punishing them Ezekiel 10, vision of God's glory departing from the temple. Then I looked, and behold, in the expanse that was over the heads of the cherubim, something like a sapphire stone in appearance resembling a throne appeared above them. And he spoke to the man clothed in linen and said, Enter between the whirling whip wills under the cherubim and fill your hands with coals of fire from between the cherubim and scatter them over the city and he entered in my sight now the cherubim were standing on the right side of the temple when the man entered and the cloud filled the inner court then the glory of the lord went up from the cherubim to the threshold of the temple and the temple was filled with the cloud and the court was filled with the brightness of the glory of the Lord. 
Moreover, the sound of the wings of the cherubim was heard as far as the outer court, like the voice of God Almighty when he speaks. And it came about when he commanded the man clothed in linen, saying, Take fire from between the whirling wheels, from between the cherubim. He entered and stood beside a wheel. Then the cherub, cherub stretched out his hand from between the cherubim to the fire which was between the cherubim, took some, and put it in the hands of the one clothed in linen, who took it and went out. And the cherubim appeared to have the form of a man's hand under their wings. Then I looked, and behold, four wheels beside the cherubim, one wheel beside, beside each cherub, and the appearance of the wheels was like the gleam of a Tarshish stone. And as for their appearance, all four of them had the same likeness, as if one wheel were within another wheel. When they moved, they went out in any of their four directions without turning as they went, but they followed in the direction which they faced without turning as they went. And their whole body their backs, their hands, their wings, and the wheels were full of eyes all around, the wheels belonging to all four of them. The wheels were called in my hearing and the, whirly, the whirling wheels, and each one had four faces. The first face was the face of a cherub. The second was the face of a man. The third face of a lion and the fourth the face of an eagle then the cherubim rose up they are the living beings that I saw by the river Shabar now when the cherubim moved the wheels would go beside them also when the cherubim lifted up their wings to rise from the ground the wheels would not would not turn from beside them when the cherubim stood still, the wheels would stand still. When they rose up, the wheels would rise with them, for the spirit of the living beings was in them. Then the glory of the Lord departed from the threshold of the temple and stood over the cherubim. When the cherubim departed, they lifted their wings and rose up from the earth. In my sight, with the wheels beside them, and they stood still at the entrance of the east gate of the Lord's house, and the glory of the God of Israel for them. Ezekiel was describing the magnificent scene of the glory of the Lord returning to the reconstructed temple shortly before the earlier temple was destroyed. God's glory left the temple and the city and went east. So appropriately, it returned from the east.
These are the living beings that I saw beneath the God of Israel by the river Shabar, so I knew that they were cherubim. Each one had four faces, and each one four wings, and beneath their wings was the form of human hands. As for the likeness of the faces, they were the same faces whose appearance I had seen by the river Shabar. Each one went straight ahead. I'm going to stop there on Ezekiel, and we'll pick up Ezekiel 11 on Thursday. I do have a section, though, I want to read out of the Founder's Bible. It's when laws violate scripture. What happens when the laws of the land violate the tenets of Scripture? What are law-abiding citizens to do? The Founding Fathers, confronted with that reality, changed the laws of the land to conform with the wisdom of God. For example, the Constitution declares no bill of attainder or ex post facto law shall be, shall be passed. That's Article 1, Section 9, Clause 3. The Congress shall have power to declare the punishment of treason, but no attainder of treason shall work corruption of blood or forfeiture except during the life of the person attained. Article Section 3, Clause 2. What is meant by a bill of attainder and corruption of blood in these clauses? Justice Joseph Story appointed to the Supreme Court by President James Madison explained. By corruption of blood, all inheritable qualities are destroyed so that an attained person can neither inherit lands or hereditament from his ancestors, nor retain those he is already in possession of, nor transmit them to any heir. So that if a father commits treason and is attained, and suffers death, and then the grandfather dies, his grandson cannot inherit any estate from his grandfather, for he came through his father, who could convey to him no inheritable blood. When America was under British policy, it separated the penalties of attainder and corruption of blood that acted upon the entire family lineage. But this long-standing policy that prevailed also across Europe was a direct violation of the scriptures. In Ezekiel 18.20, God proclaims, The person who sins will die, and will not bear the punishment for the father's iniquity, nor will the father bear the punishment for the son's inequity. The righteousness of the righteous will be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked will be upon himself. And in Jeremiah 31, 28 through 30, God similarly declares, As I have watched over them to pluck them, to pluck up, to break down, to overthrow, to destroy, and to bring disaster. So I will watch over them to build and to plant, declares the Lord. In those days, they will not say again, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. But everyone will die for his own inequity 
rich man who eats sour grapes, his teeth will be set on edge. According to this passage, when a nation is under the curse of the Lord, children are punished for what their parents did. The fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. But when the Lord exalts a nation, the policy changes. Each individual's actions are imputed only to himself and not to his children. But one will die for his own inequity. Each man who eats the sour grapes, his teeth will be set on edge. In light of such biblical verses, Suri explained the problem with the tainter and corruption of blood. The innocent the victims of a guilt in which they did not and perhaps could not participate, and the sin is visited upon remote generations. It surely is enough for society to take the life of the offender as just punishment of his crime without taking from his offspring and relatives that property which may be the only means of saving them from poverty and ruin. Americans understood this biblical principle, and so when they separated from Great Britain, they changed their laws accordingly so that no one could be, would be punished for a crime he himself did not commit. For example, Virginia's 1776 law declared, provided always, and it's enacted, that no such attainder shall work any corruption of blood. Other states passed similar laws, and then, when the U.S. Constitution was subsequently written in 1787, it, too, banned attainder and corruption of blood. These two clauses are but another example of many biblical principles directly incorporated into the Constitution. And with that, we are going to go into requests for prayer. Uh, I'm going to be saying a prayer for Jeff and Insidious. Ryan, for you and the adoption. Does anyone else have any other prayer requests? No, um... See if I'll get the music going. I don't know now since I'm on my computer. Nope, it doesn't look like it's going to with me being on here, but I can get something else going. I'll play um, that Toby Mac song I played earlier. Light shine bright. Light shine bright everywhere we go. Music for the people, make it music for the people. Light shine bright everywhere we go. Light shine bright everywhere we go. Everywhere we go. Music for the people, make it music for the people. Anybody else have any prayer requests? I won't magnify your light. I want to reflect the sun. Cut like precious diamonds. With colors by the millions. This is the only world we know. And for now, this rental's our home. If we gon' be a reflection, gotta make this third rock glow. Just so you know. Light shine bright everywhere we go. Music for the people to illuminate the 
guys do we have any other prayer requests i see yours emily for your pastor matt Uh, and I got that for you, um, Let's go ahead and go into prayer, guys. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much um, for you listening to prayer at the beginning of chat for Mila. And Father, we just pray for her for continued healing and restoration of her health, her heart, and um, any any relief from the pain that she, uh, any pain that she may have, that it be relieved, Father. For Jeff, our brother Jeff, um, Father, we pray for your healing on him as well. As um, And also for healing for Deb, who's had a stroke and she's partially paralyzed. For Matt, Emily's pastor and his family, his mom, Anna, she's on a breathing machine, Father, and they're getting ready to do a test to see if she's got any brain activity. And, Father, we just pray that that your will be exerted here, that, that if Anna is 
was not meant to to be coming back to Matt, but instead to be coming to you, Father. I just pray that that she has found you, that she goes to you. And Father, for the family, um, who I'm certain are probably shocked and scared and upset that they be comforted, Father, that they know that you are with them. And may all that come in contact with Hannah just be blessed and restored. And if there's somebody that doesn't know you, Father, use this to help bring somebody closer to you, God. Um, just like with with Deb and her stroke, Father, she's going to be doing, I'm sure, rehab. And it's going to bring her in contact with lots of other people, people that may not know you, people that, that need somebody to just put that spark there. So, Father, if it's your will, put that spark there. Use these instances. Use these these tragedies to help bring glory to your name, Father. For Jeff, I just we just ask for complete healing, for restoral of his body, and for him to get back to us as soon as you can see fit, Father, because I know that Jeff has a lot of wisdom and knowledge to share. A lot you have imparted on him, Father. And so I just pray that he gets back to us soon. And for Insidious, who's who's being a tree that's holding up the family now, the the pillar that that maintains not only strength but resolution, Father. And we know that being those pillars is hard. We've done that um, from time to time in different positions in our lives, Father. And we know that can be difficult that that can be burdensome and so we pray that there's no burden there that that Jeff understands that he is not a burden either father it's easy to to be to feel that way whenever we're used to being so independent and being able to do for others but then we have to accept people doing for us so father I just pray for both of them and and for Ryan, for the adoption on Wednesday of his oldest, we just pray, Father, for your will on that. Everything goes smoothly and that this family is re is united as a whole family, a whole unit, so they can go out there and, and battle any anything that comes your way. They can battle with the purest from you, Father. For our sister, Jenny Lynn, um, who's been struggling with pain and and things with her family, Father. We just lift Jenny Lynn up um, that she be restored and healed. For our sister Jazzy, who also has some health issues and is, is traveling right now on faith, Father, we pray that her health holds up, that her vehicle holds up, and that you supply all the resources that she needs to not only make this, this trip, but to also make it and be able to share Jesus with those she comes in contact with. To be able to create lasting memories. And also for you to just use her father to do your work, to do your will while she's out there. And father, for all of those that have 
uncertainties or or prayers that they they have not asked father i just pray that they have the courage to just speak it out to you to let you know what they need because you know you know what we, each of us need we just have to ask and we have to ask with a pure heart so father i'm asking right now for all of those here that are listening live or listening later father to lift them all up use them all to do your work father to wisdom and knowledge and the fear of you father but also the discernment that is needed to to know what is good and what is wrong to be able to to walk in the light father to walk in the light with you to help bring others to that light the beautiful wonderful light that that just fills us and comforts us and and provides so father we thank you for that and we ask for your forgiveness father for the times that we've fallen short the times that we've sinned father and and for the times that maybe we had a bad thought father forgive us for that and forgive those that that don't know what they're doing that don't see how what they're doing is wrong father help them to come to the to the realization they need you we all need you Thank you, Father, for Jesus, for that salvation that he offers us, for the mercy and grace that we don't deserve, but is so freely given. If we just accept him as our Lord and Savior, we believe he was risen from the dead and we confess with our mouths our sins, then we have eternal salvation in Christ. And it's in his name I pray. Amen. guys thank you so much for being here i will get last week's episodes posted and try to get this one posted as well today my apologies for being behind on that it's just been a lot going on here um height of growing season and i've got animals giving lots of difference to chicks and ducks and geese my daughter's having a baby in November, and then my youngest just started college. Today's actually her first day, and she's getting ready to go into class. So I get a little scattered, but I'm here. Uh, four o'clock Eastern time will be bended knee. At eight o'clock, or at seven, Douglas is on. Eight o'clock, Conley. I won't be having a show tonight. We're still on break. The Conley will be on at 8, followed by Bards FM at 9. Catch up with some Kilted Christian at 10.30 time and wrap it up with Fishers of Men at midnight. Guys, y'all have a wonderful, blessed day. I will see you online. And remember, be salt and light. God
ways We'd rather burn up than stick to the shade Not of this world, so we live on the run We keep our eyes set on what is to come Come on.